Thank you, ladies. Great job. Good to be here with you once again this morning. It's good to have visitors in our uh, service, taking part in our uh, our Sunday school and church services. We're certainly glad to have all of you here uh, this morning. We do want to remember one another in our prayers. We especially want to remember uh, uh, Sister Gail and all that she's gone through and going through and uh, have yet to face. We want to continue to lift her up in uh, prayer if you uh, uh if you will, and I appreciate Brother Don mentioning next Saturday they're going to have the memorial service, and uh, please pray for them as they enter this time of uh, her life and what she's gone through, has been through, has been, been very difficult on her and the uh, family. We need to remember her in our prayers. Matter of fact, let's just go to the Lord in prayer, ask his blessings on her life and the family uh, as they go through this as well, and uh, and I know that many of you are experiencing difficulties uh, with sickness, and we do want to remember them in our prayers, but especially want to go uh, in behalf of Sister Gail and her family. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, once again, we uh, bow before your throne of grace. We, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring about us, and we thank you for being a God that's so sensitive and compassionate to each and every one of our needs. You know all about Sister Gail, and you know what she's gone through, and uh, you know about the love that she's had for Brother Pat and the love that he had for her. You know how desperately he'll be missed from the family, and we ask your blessings on her life. May you strengthen her, may you encourage her, and may the grace of God be with them in a very special way as they go through this difficult time. We realize by the testimony of the children and Sister Gail that he is in heaven and one day this is a temporary separation and one day they'll be together. We ask you to keep your hand upon the family in a very special way as only you can do. Give them grace to sustain them and may they feel the presence of your love and compassion and mercy as they have never felt it before. Now these things we'd ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I would like to invite your attention to Acts chapter 13, verses 38 through 39. 38 and 39. This is Apostle Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. And their sponsor in church is Antioch of Syria. This was a colorblind church. They had multiple different people in there, and I don't know if we understand that or uh, uh, not, but uh, there's only two di- two groups of people. There's Jew and Gentile, and that's uh, uh, that's it. And uh, so we're very thankful for God that uh, led Apostle Paul and uh, Barnabas on this first missionary uh, journey. And at the beginning, you'll see that John Mark went with them on this journey, but somewhere along the line, John Mark got sidetracked, and he wound up going back uh, home and uh, on this particular missionary uh, journey. Missions are not easy. It's not easy at this particular time with Apostle Paul and uh, Barnabas, uh, nor is it easy today. Missionaries that goes to foreign soils and even in our country sometimes, if they uh, leave Texas, go to places like 
New Jersey and New York, that's like a foreign field. You know, it's, uh, but it's a, uh, uh, it is. I mean, I'm serious. And it's like one missionary that one man from Texas went up to Ohio and uh, he, he come back totally depressed because the people are different in different parts of the country. And we all know that. Texas is a planet of its own, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but it's a, a great state and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And, uh, but this is their first missionary journey, and they had a lot of great success. And if you read the beginning there, Barnabas is mentioned, mentioned, mentioned first, but when they come back, Apostle Paul, we find, taking the lead in this uh, mission trip. Apostle Paul was the greatest missionary there ever was, aside of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And John Mark really made a mistake in uh, going back, but I guess a lot of us make mistakes in our life. But we're so very thankful that we'll see later on in John Mark's uh, 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 life that Apostle Paul found him worthy to come and minister with him in his uh, uh, missionary uh, trip. But on this particular occasion, he went back. But there's so many things that we, when we look at uh, uh, Acts chapter 13, we just don't have time to go through uh, uh, everything in Acts chapter uh, uh, 13, but we find a gospel in a, a magnificent way presented to the uh, to the people. And uh, uh, on one occasion, uh, uh, the Jewish people asked Apostle Paul, said, do you have uh, anything to say when he was at the uh, uh, synagogue? And they said, do you have anything to say? Bad idea to ask Apostle Paul if he had anything to say. He, he went from Abraham all the way to the, uh, up to this particular point presenting the gospel of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, about the death of Jesus, how they were responsible for the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, how they were responsible for the crucifixion uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, how they were responsible for the uh, shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet we find that not only was he, did he die, not only was he buried, and, but he is raised from the grave, as Apostle Paul emphasizes over and over again in his writings, that the, well, he does not serve a dead God, but he serves a living, resurrected Savior, a Savior that's coming uh, uh, again for all, uh, first of all, his church and all of his people that's been saved and washed in the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A wonderful chapter. Read it all when you have an opportunity. Uh, opportunity. But when, when we look at the scripture, he was preaching to the Jews at Antioch of Pisidia. But then we find that during this conversation, the Jews didn't like the message that he preached. They didn't like the message that he uh, 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 presented to them about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they had him leave. But the, to, then he said, the Apostle Paul said, to you that have rejected me, to the Jews, now God has led us to the Gentiles. And that's where God wanted him to be in the, uh, in the first place. So we find him ministering to the Gentiles. And we find him doing this continually in his ministry, uh, but also trying to minister to the Jews, but in particular, Apostle Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles, and we find later on that Apostle Peter, God led him, finally, he had a great deal of prejudice in his uh, life, but finally God got Peter's undivided attention so he could witness to the, uh, to the Gentiles as well as to the, uh, to the Jews. It's a wonderful God. We have a great God. We have a wonderful God. We have a wonderful uh, uh, Savior. But I want to read verses 38 and 39, if you uh, will, of Acts chapter 13. I could just go on and on about what's in this one, one chapter. There's so much involved in it, but I don't have time. 
But I have all afternoon, so that's, I guess that's... <laughs> See, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, and through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And who is that man? Jesus, of course. That man is the one that... Uh, uh, he's preaching about Apostle Paul was never unfaithful to his Savior, Jesus Christ. He was never afraid to share the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why he could say without hesitation. He could say without any embarrassment whatsoever, said, I am free from the blood of all men. Because when he had an opportunity, he shared the gospel with any and all. Whether they were kings, whether they were governors, whether they were uh, in prison, whether they were prison guards, it didn't matter. He shared the gospel with them all. And then in verse 39, And by him, all that believe, all that believe, you hear that? All, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law of Moses cannot, could not, and cannot save anyone. But the blood of Jesus is what sets men free. It's the blood of Jesus that makes it possible for us to enter the gates of heaven. It's the blood of Jesus that makes it all possible for us to live for a godly, uh, live a godly life for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this text, he presented four reasons why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross because... Of sins. I know it's probably hard for you to believe, but had there been no sin, then there would have been no need of a Savior. But listen, folks, let me share some scripture with you. In 1 Timothy 1 and 15, Apostle Paul had this to say about his own life. Now, we're talking about a man that was probably the greatest missionary there ever was. And before he was saved and washed in the blood of Jesus, he was a Pharisee, so we know that he lived a good life, a great life in the sight of men, but he was a lost man without Jesus. And in Acts chapter 9, we find that on the road to Damascus, he met the Lord Jesus Christ as he was trying to crucify him, as he was responsible for killing many Christians. But we find also that he was a great servant of the Lord. But listen to what he said about himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Listen to what he said. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom what? I am chief. Greatest missionary there ever was. And he yet said of all the sinners, all men born, I am the greatest of sinners against the righteous and holy God because I persecuted the church of the living God, because I persecuted Christians, because my sole purpose and goal in life before I was saved to wipe out Christianity, to kill all of those that way. Listen, folks, he, had, he was on a mission until God got his undivided attention. He thought he was a, he was a religious man, but without Jesus, that religion didn't. Did not mean a thing. And there are a lot of people that's hanging on to religion but does not have Jesus as Savior of their soul. And bless your heart, there's going to be a sad day one of these days in eternity. 
Had there been a percentage without sin, then perhaps Jesus would not have died. Although I am convinced if there is one sinner, if there was just one sinner, Jesus would have gave his life on the cross at Calvary. But listen in Romans 3 and and 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. Folks, that is all inclusive when we look in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Then in Romans 3 and 23, it says, for all. Folks, how do we miss that? How do people miss that? Think they can live a life justified before God without the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is not possible because the Bible is very clear and plain for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We miss the mark without Jesus. We miss the mark. And it is so very uh, important. There is none without sin. No, not one. When we look in Isaiah chapter 64 and 6, it says, Our righteousness are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Wow, the scripture is so very clear about folks. How does anyone, anyone at all, can believe that they can go through life without recognizing the fact that we are sinners before a righteous and holy God. God is righteous, and he's the only one that is without sin before. Jesus is the only one that is without sin that's able to stand before his Father, realizing that he had committed no sin against his Father. He said, this is my beloved Son, hear you him. This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Listen, folks. If God would take any man to heaven, he had to send a Savior. If anybody's going to heaven, there needs to be a Savior because we can't do it on our own. It's just not possible. Listen to what he said, if you will, in Acts 4 and 12. He said, neither is there salvation in any other men save, what? The man Christ Jesus. Look at that, folks. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other men save the man Christ Jesus. That's the only way, folks. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Then I want you to notice, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus went to the cross because of sins, our sins, my sins, your sins, all the sins of the world. And that's what he's talking about here, folks, in Hebrews 9 and 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 John chapter 1. I want you to read with me, if you will, 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. Now, what are we talking about? Jesus went to the cross because of sins, our sins. But look at it in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 1. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. From all sin. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then he says in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What did he say? But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that exciting, folks? I mean, it's really exciting. When you think about it, only God, only God could allow his son to make such a sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. For people that hated him, the people that would do anything to destroy him. Yet because of sins, because of our sins, your sin, my sins, nailed him to the cross. But it was Jesus. That's what Apostle John is talking about in 1 John 1 and 7. It's the blood of Jesus that washes our sins away. But there's something else. Jesus went to the cross because of hell. I know that's not a popular subject. And I know that's not something people like to hear about. Do you realize that in the Bible, there's more in the Bible about hell than there is about heaven? The reality of it is, If you die without Jesus, then you die and go to hell. There's no middle ground. There's no purgatory. Heaven or hell. Listen to what the scripture says here, folks. And and when we look at verse 38, it says, Forgiveness of sin. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Even though sin existed, even though sin existed, had there been no punishment for sin, there would have been no need for a Savior. Had there been no punishment for sin, why would we need a Savior? If we were just going to die, and folks, a lot of people believe this, a lot of religions say that, we just go to the grave and that's it. It's finished. No, it's not finished after death. It just starts. Heaven or hell, there's no in-between, one or the other. And, folks, you make that decision. You make that choice while you're alive, while your body is still pumping blood, while your heart is still pumping. Listen to what the Scripture says. The fact is there is punishment for sin. I want, to, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. I want you to open your Bibles there, Luke chapter 16. When we look in verses 19 and 23 of Luke chapter 16, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Then in verse 23, and in hell he died. And it says, the rich man died and Lazarus died. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, been in torments, 
and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Folks, there's 66 books in the Bible. You know that? 66 books. And they're all relevant. They're all true. And these are the words of the Lord Jesus. Do we believe him? Can we trust him? Yes, we can. Well, if we can trust Jesus, and if we believe Jesus, then we've got to trust his word. We've got to believe his word. And what he said in verse 23, and in hell, who? The rich man looked up his eyes, been in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Real torments. Look in verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented, tormented in this flame. The fire is not quenched. He is tormented and it is forever and ever and ever. How many of y'all ever go, driven out to West Texas? <laughs> it just goes on forever and ever and ever. And We've gone to a few jobs out there with the mission builders working on churches. And I went out there to one place and I told the pastor, I said, I won't be back. He said, why? Because you go on forever and ever and ever before you get. I did go back, but I told him. Real torments. It's real, folks. Then we notice something else about that. In Luke chapter 16, verse 26. Hell is a place of everlasting torment. We love to hear about heaven being for real, right? And forever and ever and ever. But do you know without Jesus as your Savior, without Jesus as your Redeemer, if you've not believed and trusted in exercising faith in a living, resurrected Savior, do you know you will spend an eternity separated from Him forever and ever and ever? Look in verse 26. What does that scripture say? And besides all, besides all this, between us and you there is a great guff fix. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. No deliverance, folks. Then I want you to very quickly look with me up in Revelation chapter 20. These are not very nice words. Revelation chapter 20. And I want to read verses 10 through 15 of Revelation chapter 20. And the devil that deceived them. I want you to notice that. Who deceives us? The old God of this world. And listen, folks, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5 that he's like a roaring lion, seeketh about whom he made a fire. He is no respecter of persons. He wants to destroy us all. Listen to what he said. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. But he doesn't want to go there alone, folks. But he's going there. He can't escape that himself. 
like a fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it from whence, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away as there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small, and great stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Talking about the dead is talking about those that are lost, that have never trusted Jesus as Savior of their soul. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Oh, listen, folks. It's so important that we understand that the only way that we can go to heaven is when we trust Jesus, if we trust Jesus in this life. Exercising faith in a living, resurrected Savior. He says in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. God. Listen, Jesus died to save men and to keep them from going to hell. It is not God's desire that anybody go to hell. Please, God allowed his son to die on the cross at Calvary. God allowed his son to suffer on the cross at Calvary because he loved you and it is not in his plan, it is not his desire that anybody, anybody at all, go to hell. Listen to what he said in John 3.17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You hear that, folks? My God is a God of love. My God is a God of mercy. And it is not in his plan that anybody at all go to hell. His plan that was set in motion so that everybody might be saved and go to heaven. That's his plan, folks. That's what he wants. But then I want you to notice something else. Jesus went to the cross because of love. One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. One God One mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. I realize that in our text that we read this morning, you don't find the word love. But listen, folks, it could hardly be more expressed in these scriptures than anyone else, though the word love is not actually uh, 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 used here. The power of men alone could not have carried Jesus to the cross. He said, no man taketh my life, no man at all. I lay it down. They do not take it up. I lay it down of myself. No man has the power to take my life. He said, I laid it down. Nails alone could not have held Jesus to the cross. It was love that sent him there. And it was love that kept him on the cross at Calvary. It was love. And folks, that love is something that he wants God's people to have one for another. Not only for the Lord Jesus, but he wants God's people to have it one for the other. My grandchildren, they're not sure I love them sometimes because I aggravate them. That's my job. 
I went over to my daughter's house one day. I don't know if I told you that or not. But my granddaughter had a friend with her. And when I walked in the door, my daughter said, Dad, Haley's already told her about you. I don't know. It had to be all good. You know, that's. It was love that kept him there. And it was love that sent him there. And love is what causes him to care so much about each and every one of us. And he knows what all you're going through, Sister Gail. And it's love. It's love. And his presence with God's people. When we need him the most, he says, I will never leave thee, nor will I ever sake thee. The comfort of God's hand upon his people is a hand that we need on our hearts and on our lives and in our families when we're experiencing difficulties in our life. And he said, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. But he also said, my grace is sufficient to sustain you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, he said, my grace. Trust me. Believe me. Exercise faith in a living, resurrected Savior because he's there and he's there for each and every one of us whenever we need him. Here in his love in 1 John 4 and, 12, 4 and 10, here in his love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins, a down payment for our sins. God sent his son for you and for me. Why did he do that? Why would he allow his son to suffer? Why would he create man? Why would he do that when he knew that man was going to sin against him, when he knew that man was going to fail? And because of that, he would have to offer his son as a sacrifice for our sin. God knew that. He's God. He knows everything. He knows the past. He knows the future. He knows the present. He knows everything. So why would he do that? It's all about love, folks. John 15 and 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We have people, men and women, giving their lives all the time for the freedom that we enjoy in this country. Men and women that serve in the military, and many of you probably have done the same thing. They give their lives for the freedom that we enjoy today, the freedom that we might worship in this sense, in the freedom that we don't have to worry about being persecuted. There are some places in this world, Christians are dying everywhere. But I'm thankful for men and women that's willing to lay down their lives for the freedom that we enjoy in this country and continue to enjoy. It's not the politicians, it's our military that keeps us free. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, we're friends of God. We're his friends. And he laid down his life for us. Last but not least, Jesus went to the cross because of you. Be it known unto you that through this man is preached unto you. Look in verse 33 also. And God hath fulfilled the same unto us, that their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. 
Jesus is raised up from the grave, folks. We do not serve a dead Savior. When they went to the tomb of Jesus, they found an empty tomb. He's not here. He's not here. But one of these days, he's coming back for his children. One of these days, he's going to bust that eastern sky wide open. One of these days, he's going to come back and find a church that earnestly serving him and giving their life and dedicated to him. So when he comes, he's able to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Pretty exciting, folks. Jesus died for every man, woman, and child. Listen to what he said in Hebrews 2 and 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should lay down his life for his friends. By the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Yet he died personally personally for you, just for you. You're part of this world. I want you to read with me in John chapter 3, verse 16. And I want you to put yourself in a few of these words when you look in John three sixteen. For God so loved you, God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son for you. Didn't he? For you. That if you, that if you would believe in him, you would have everlasting life. Free. No charge. It's time for you to come to the cross of faith. I know I mentioned it to some of you this morning. My wife insisted that I go shopping with her yesterday. And she wanted to buy something. No. She wanted me there so I could buy her something. And I tried to tell the lady that worked at H-E-B that she was paying for it. No, not the H-E-B. And she asked me a simple question. How long have you been married? And my wife said, 51 years. And this employee of H-E-B said, then you better pay for it. I told her later that you're involved in interfering in my business. But then my wife said, don't worry about him. He's a preacher. <laughs> but isn't it exciting that he paid our debt? He paid it all. And he did it for you. Out of love, he did it for you. And, folks, one of these days, he's going to come back. And so this morning, as we stand, as Brother Don comes and Lisa comes, as we stand and we prepare this song of invitation, I want you to consider what Jesus has done for you. And just think 
about what are we doing for him? What are we doing for him? He did so much for us. He paid our sin debt. Total payment, all of it. Not partial, all of it. So that we might have an opportunity to go and spend eternity with him in heaven. That's where he's at. He's in heaven. But he left the Holy Spirit, the comforter here, to comfort us until he comes back and takes us home. And his Holy Spirit does comfort us, doesn't he? He does comfort us.